And I'd like you to find in your copy of God's Word the Gospel of Mark. I'm going to be in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And we're just going to look at a few verses here at the last bit of Mark chapter 10, the story right at the end of that chapter. Um, I'm not going to bore you with the whole story of this. I'm just going to suffice it to say that um, you should know that some of what I'm about to tell you about as far as this passage and try to apply it for you, while I hope it'll be a help to you, it has been born out of, or at least some of the thoughts here, um, some, some painful stuff that my family's had to deal with over the last six months. Um, I, I can't imagine we're the only people in the world that are like that. That's why I think it's helpful to talk about these things. Um, sometimes, when you're kind of looking down what's next, what you're going to do next, what, what, where are you going, how you're going to handle something, you just can't see. You can't see. Maybe it's a big bend in the road. You just don't know what's around the bend. Sometimes when the weather's kind of a little weird, there's a fog that kind of settles in. You just can't see very far down. And sometimes I've been told when you get a little older, <clears throat> there might be some scales that get up on your eyes and you just can't see. I've been told. But the point is, when you're in that situation and you're trying to, to make some forward progress, you need some direction. You need some help. Sometimes it might be because you need to be healed of something. Maybe you've been hurt by something or something is, you know, painful in your soul or even in your body and you need some help in that way. Or sometimes it's just because it kind of feels a little hopeless out there. You don't know what's going to happen, so you need some hope to kind of get you to go forward. But the point is you can't see where that help is coming from. You can't understand it. You don't know where it's even going to, when it's going to come, when it's going to come about. And I think that's true of the human condition. What I think I'm describing is not anything unique to my life or your life. I think that's just being, being called being a human being. That happens from time to time. And then, by the way, if, that, if I've just talked about something and you have no idea what I'm talking about, may the Lord bless you, but I can't help you tonight. I just cannot do a thing for you. But if you can at least some way sympathize with what I'm talking about and maybe even feel it where you are right now, I think some of you would even understand that especially when you're a Christian, that some of these things kind of bother you. Because you're supposed to be a Christian, right? You know, you're supposed to know the answer. You know, you know the one who's got the answers. You know, you know him. You're supposed to be able to talk to him. And now you're sitting there saying, I don't know what to do. How do I do this thing? What am I supposed to do? And, and I believe that our Savior, uh, the writer of Hebrews talks about how he has been touched with our infirmities. He knows what we are feeling. And, and I believe that he knows that, and because the reason I believe he knows that, one, because of that passage, but also in this text we're going to see, I think Jesus acknowledges this, acknowledges our own weakness on this. If you were to go back with me, and I'm not going to take the time to do it tonight, I don't have the time, you don't have the patience, but let me just suffice to say that from chapter 8 uh, in Mark all the way up to this point in the book, that Jesus has been laying out for his disciples, anybody that would listen, that would follow after him, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what he's been talking about for the last couple of chapters. And he's telling them things like, uh, you need to deny yourself and take up your cross. He's telling them things like, yes, I am the one that's glorious and divine, but you're going to struggle with faith and doubt sometimes. 
He's telling them, saying, saying sometimes there was that one time where they tried to cast out the demon out of that little boy, and he says, no, hang on a minute, boys. Y'all can't do this on your own. You're going to have to spend some time in prayer and fasting. He's trying to tell them, listen, you're going to need a little something more. You think you got it all in your hands. You think you got the world by the tail, but you don't. If you want to be my disciple, you're going to have to realize you're, you're a little bit weak. You need me. And then he closes out this section, and I think it's, I happen to think it's on purpose. I happen to think it's, it's planned this way. You can disagree with me if you want to. I, as, as I've heard people say before, you can be wrong if you want to. But I believe that this was planned this way, that this encounter with a man named Bartimaeus, this encounter with a, with a blind beggar, perfectly illustrates what it means. So Jesus has been telling them, he's teaching them, here's what discipleship looks like. This is what it means. And then he closes out and says, this is what it looks like. I, I really think he's just giving them an object lesson. He's allowing this man to come up, this blind man named Bartimaeus, he's allowing him to come up to sort of illustrate for them and for us right now as we're listening, this is what following Jesus really looks like. I'm going to ask you, as I've already told you, to find Mark chapter 10. I'm going to ask you to look in your copy of the Word at verse 46. This is where we're going to pick up the text. This is an encounter, as I've told you, with a blind beggar in Jesus. And I just want to, I want, to pay, want you to pay attention from 46 to 52. If you're able to, would y'all mind standing with me? If you're able to do so, uh, if you're not, that is fine. This is just simply something I like to do from time to time just to remind ourselves that uh, we're actually hearing the voice of God. That's what we're listening to. Here's what he says. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho, and this is, of course, speaking of Jesus, with his disciples, and a great number of people, Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried out the great, uh, more, he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Would you pray with me for just a moment? Lord, I want to ask you to bless the reading of your word. I want to ask you to use me to be a, a mouthpiece, to use my mind and even my experience to try to ex explain and help these folks to understand what is going on in this passage, but just to take it and apply it and use it. Lord, I, I know that we, we need some help. We need some direction. And help us to come to Jesus and to cry out to him. I'm asking this in Jesus' name. Amen. You all can be seated. There is um, a title for Jesus, and I want to just make sure you understand this. this is a fundamental thing that's going on here. There's a title for Jesus that Mark 
uses in his gospel. Um, Son of man is that title. It actually shows up in verse 45. You'll see that. It's something Mark uses. I think it's 14 times he uses it in his gospel. Speaking of Jesus, and it's intended, it's an intentional title, intended to illustrate the humanity of Jesus. The fact that he is one who would be a suffering servant, much like Isaiah is what Isaiah was referring to. And Mark is leaning a lot on the prophets and a lot of what they are saying about, about Jesus. And he's referencing Jesus as this suffering servant, this human being, of course, God as well, but humanity, in full humanity who's going to suffer. So that's what Mark really emphasizes, but it's interesting in this particular passage, and again, I think it's telling that we're introduced to a new title, at least if you're only reading Mark. Now, I know y'all are Bible scholars, y'all read all the Gospels, but if you were just to read Mark, you would have never seen this title before that this man, Bartimaeus, uses for Jesus. He calls him Son of David. As best as I can tell, this is the only time that that title is used for Jesus in Mark. Now, Matthew uses it quite a bit more, which here's why. You know why? Because the title, Son of David, emphasizes Jesus' royalty, the fact that he's king, the fact that he is, it's a, it's a very Jewish title. And if you know anything about Matthew, you know Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, is much more of a Jewish book intended to, to really illustrate the, the, the Hebrew roots of what Jesus was doing. But here, here it's referring to his messiahship. It's referring to that promise that David's throne would one day be filled by his descendants, or one of his descendants. Isaiah uses a, there's a passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 35, where he is giving an image, some images that I think was in the, the Jewish mind of the son of David, what he would be doing. In Isaiah 35, there's verses 4 and 5, it says that the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, then the lame man will leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb will sing, and the wilderness shall, be, shall break, forth, uh, break waters out and streams in the desert. The point is that everything that was broken is going to be fixed, and they, were, they knew that the son of David, when he came, the Messiah, the anointed one, that, that special one. That's what the, the whole Jewish nation was looking for. So son of David was used, historically they would have used it, speaking of a Messiah that would come. But when Matthew, I mentioned Matthew uses this title a lot, a lot of times the story of Matthew, a lot of times it would come out of the mouth of people that were outcasts who needed healing. And they knew that they had just, they just knew, or maybe they were just gambling. Lord knows what exactly was going on in their minds, but they just expected this was the person who Isaiah was promising, I need something, maybe just maybe this guy can do it for me. So they were coming to him saying, we need some help and we think you're the guy to do it. And blind Bartimaeus, as we are introduced to him here, he's blind and he is poor, so he fits the bill. An outcast that needs some help. Maybe this guy can help me. And he calls out, son of David, Messiah. Now, that may not mean a whole lot to you, but did I tell you the man was blind? Did I tell you he was blind? Here's a man who's able to recognize, again, maybe, maybe it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. He called it right. 
Jesus is the son of David. He is the Messiah. He is the one the prophets preached about. He is what the whole Jewish nation was longing for. He is that one. He is that one. And here's this man. Do you know he's encountered, Jesus encountered a lot of religious people. They looked him in the eye and couldn't tell what he was, or at best they thought he was a fraud and a phony. They ultimately put him on a cross. They led him to the cross because of that. Yet here's a man who can't even see him. He has something that he needs, and he recognizes who Jesus is, his true value, his true worth, his true power, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus has come to help and to save and to transform. It's only possible, I believe, because of the supernatural revelation of God. That's how this man knew that. It wasn't because he was so smart. I don't believe that. And I, I, I believe that there are a lot of folks that are just like Bartimaeus. We don't have the answers. We have some serious obstacles to finding the answers. We have more reason to doubt than we have reason to believe. But we need something. We need some healing. We need some help. And we need some hope. And against all odds, God has supernaturally made available to you. Those of you seated here, he has supernaturally made it available to you this life-changing, simple but life-changing truth that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one who has come to seek and to save the lost. He is the one that is preeminently worthy. He is the one that came to die for your sins. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He has revealed that to us. So then the question comes, and here's my message that we're going to take a few minutes to spend, spend a few minutes on. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about that? Brother Bartimaeus, and I believe he is a brother based on the way that we see this story ending. Brother Bartimaeus, I think, offers us some good examples of what we do, what we ought to do. In spite of our inability, in spite of our doubts, in spite of our lack, in spite of our obstacles, in spite of our fears and our worries, we need to see what Brother Bartimaeus is doing, and we need to follow in his footsteps. So here's the thing. One of the things I'm going to just assume right out of the gate, and if you're not with me on this, you're just might as well just... Go ahead and take a nap. We're not going, not going to help you any beyond this. Just you got to help me. You got to, got to meet me here. We're going to have to just believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is true. We're just going to have to believe that Jesus died on the cross. He was buried, and three days later, he came back to life victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And not only does that save your soul so you don't have eternal damnation in hell, but that actually does you a little bit of good right now. That gives you purpose and meaning and hope and help today. Because that is true. Now, like I said, that, that's, 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 that's what they say, table stakes. That's, that's, the, that's the bare minimum. So if you're agreeing with me on that, then because that is true, that's what Bartimaeus was acknowledging. Because of that, then the first thing I want you to do is what Bartimaeus did, is use what little bit you got and grab hold of Jesus. Bartimaeus was limited by sight. Look here in verse six, 46, excuse me. He is referred to, and I didn't make this up, this is what the Bible says, he is referred to as blind Bartimaeus. This is, his name is the son of Timaeus. He doesn't even have a name. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's Timaeus's boy. We don't know his name, that's Timaeus's boy. So we're calling him Bartimaeus, like that's his name. That just means he's Timaeus's boy. But all we know about him is he's blind. That's all we know, his daddy's Timaeus and he's blind. 
So he is not, he's not able to see. When, when he says he's blind there, I don't know how bad his blindness was, but it was bad, bad enough that people knew he was blind. And he is not able to fully assess reality. He's not able to, to get around. In fact, because of the, where he is here, he is, he is begging for just his daily sustenance. He's not able to even earn enough of a living on his own with his two hands because he can't see. I'm emphasizing that for you because his blindness made him miss so much of the big picture. He couldn't see what's going on around him. He's not classically religiously trained. The, the, the Jewish children in that age, from when they were real small, would have been sent to basically what we would call today Sunday school. It's essentially what they'd have been sent to. It was a little more intense than that, but that was the idea of it. They would have been trained, taught all the things about Scripture. I don't know if Bartimaeus got that or not, but I can tell you by the time that he got to that next stage, that third, fourth, fifth stage, because there were several stages to it, he probably kind of flunked out because he couldn't see. Because he couldn't see. So I can just tell you, he didn't know all of the things about what the Messiah was. He didn't understand all of those things that some of the scholars would have known. And even if he was a smart man, I'm not saying he wasn't, but let's just assume he was the smartest man on the planet. He did not have the resources to gain new information to understand who Jesus was. But we know that the minute that he heard, it says in verse 47, he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was there. When he heard that was who it was, he began to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David. He recognized, I'm trying to get you to see that he did not come to these conclusions because he read enough books. He didn't come to these conclusions because he went to the good schools. He didn't come to these conclusions because he went to synagogue every day. He didn't come to these conclusions in any other way, but God has revealed it to him. God revealed to him who Jesus was, and he didn't sit there and say, well, maybe that's not 100%. Let me dig into this a little bit more. He didn't sit there and say, I need to understand a little bit more. I need to ask some more questions. No, what does he do? The minute that he heard with his ears, which as far as I can tell still worked, that Jesus was in the vicinity, he cried with his mouth, which as far as I could tell still worked, and he cried out to Jesus, I know who you are and I need you. I want to just tell y'all, as far as I can tell, now I don't know what all your eyesight is. I'm not an eye doctor, so y'all might, might have some half-blind people in here. I don't know. But as far as I can tell, you all look like you got most of your senses. Didn't say you had any sense necessarily, but you've got your senses with you. <laughs> so you've got some of that. You've got those senses. And that's what, that's all. It, <laughs> it doesn't take a whole lot. It doesn't take a whole lot because we've got a man who's blind here. And I'm asking you that you've got, I'm telling you rather, that you have this gift of the nearness of Jesus Christ. He is available. He is in the vicinity. He is here with us tonight. The Bible tells me where there are two or three gathered in his name, that he is in the midst. I can tell you, I, I don't have any qualms about promising you Jesus is here tonight. Not because I'm here, but because I know he's here and he is loved and he is worshipped and he is adored here. So he's here. So what are you going to do because of his nearness? Are you going to go on in your unbelief? Are you going to turn away the help that he offers to you? Are you going to wait till you get a better deal, more insight, a more scholarly approach? Are you going to turn it down and continue to get bitter because maybe, maybe you didn't have a good background? 
Maybe your parents weren't as good to you as they should have been to you. Maybe church people have been hypocritical and hurt you. And I'm not talking about that foolish hurt your feeling kind of stuff. I'm talking about really hurt you. And I understand if that's the case, but are you going to just say, they hurt me, so I'm not going to cry out to the Jesus who's going to help me? Are you going to say, I don't have enough evidence, I need something more? Is that what you're going to do? Or are you going to do what Bartimaeus did and say, I need some help, Lord. I need some help, and Jesus is here. I don't understand how he does it, but I need him and cry out to him. Are you going to accept what Jesus has revealed to us? Are you going to say, you'll know, I know, I know I'll never know enough. But I'm just going to cry out to him in, in faith. Even when your faith's a little weak. Just a chapter or two over, there was a man who came to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Jesus even accepts that kind of faith. That's kind of halfway faith, half-hearted faith. He'll take that. You just need to cry out to him. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is true, you need to use what you have and grab hold of him. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is true, you need to stop listening to all the naysayers and simply declare the gospel of Jesus. Uh, look here in verse uh, 48, I think it is. Yeah, verse 48. Many charged him that he should hold his peace. Here's this man causing a scene. He's crying out, save me, save me, Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me, help me, help me, help me. And I think some of this probably came, the, the scripture here doesn't tell us for sure, but I, I know his disciples well enough from other parts of the gospels to know that this could have been some of the disciples saying, hush, man, hush, he's busy. They did this a lot, they did. They, they were trying to protect Jesus from the riffraff. They're trying to, they're trying to help him. And unfortunately, just a side note, this is not my message, but unfortunately, some of his disciples today do that. People that need help and don't know, understand what they should know and understand, and sometimes do act a little crazy about some stuff instead of actually trying to point them to the one who can help them. We kind of say, you know what, won't you just sit down and be quiet right now? And we're turning away. We're not helping them. But anyway, I get back to my message. That's not my message. Let me get back to it. This is what his disciples are doing. But even if it wasn't his disciples, there's other people in the crowd. There's always people in the crowd that have got something to say. I, there's a story. You know the story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man. When he was coming down, Jesus told him to come down. And what all them people say? Jesus going to his house? He's a, he's a bad guy. Why is he going there? There's always somebody got something to say. And if you don't believe it, go over to Job. There's 40 chapters, something like that, of people got something to say when things go wrong. They got something to say. And if you don't even want to look at the Bible, by the way, you should look at the Bible, but even if you don't want to look at the Bible, you just let something go wrong in your life, and I can guarantee you people's got something to say. People's got something to say. But look at Bartimaeus, verse 48. But he cried the more a great deal. That boy got louder. He didn't let it bother him. He wasn't dissuaded in the least. He got louder. He says, y'all hush. I got some needs. I need some help. Y'all be quiet. Get out of my way. If you're not going to help me, at least sit down and get out of my way. He's crying out. He says, I'm going. Look at what he says there. He says, thou son of David. He doubles down on it. 
He says, you're the one that's the Messiah. You're the one that can help me. I need the one who can give me the answers that I need. There's only one answer that'll do, and it's not you folks, you religious people, you followers of Jesus, you people who've always got something to say. You're not who I need. I need the Savior. And he goes to Jesus and he says, look at what he says there, have mercy on me. He says that before in verse 47, but he says it twice. He's saying, Jesus, I need you first and I need you most. Have some mercy on me. What Bartimaeus is doing in both in verse 47 and verse 48, what he's repeating there, he is declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Old Testament promised one, that Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost. He is declaring that, and he is saying, I don't care what everybody else around me is saying, but I know that this is the one that's going to help me. My question to you then is, are you going to then boldly, identify yourself and declare sometimes you got to declare it to yourself but declare the gospel of Jesus over your situation some people don't want to hear it some people say I, I don't want to hear what you got to say won't you be quiet you, you don't understand some people are going to look at you and they're going to say you're crazy you're foolish for what you're doing there's going to be people who are going to get in your way there's going to be people who are not going to be changed about their their minds are not going to be changed they're still going to badmouth you they're still going to talk against you they're still going to hurt you but what is it you need not their approval not their opinion not even again this is a good church but you don't need your pastor's approval and your pastors you know what you need you need Jesus you need the gospel. You need to go to him, and you need to go to him because he's the one who can help you. Will you boldly de declare his, his sovereignty over your circumstances to know that he died for your sins and he can for sure help you with your trouble? He, can, he, he has planned your eternity. He can definitely plan your tomorrow. And declare that to yourself and to anybody that's in earshot as loud and as possible as you can to let them know that the one that you're depending on is not a religious system or other people's opinion, but you're depending on the one who loved you enough to die for you. That's what, that's what our friend Bartimaeus here does. Because the gospel of Jesus is true, he ignored the naysayers and he declared Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the gospel is true, Bartimaeus did the one thing that I don't think any of us really want to do. I want you to see this before I tell you. I want you to see it in verse 49. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. So, so Jesus tells everybody, y'all stop a minute. I, I want him to come to me. I hear him. <laughs> I know you're trying to hush him, but I need him to come here. So he's summoning Bartimaeus. And, and when that, that happens, it's funny how people do. People are, people are fickle like this. I want you to see what they do. Look at this, verse 49. And they call the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. Now these were the same people that were just telling him, sit down and be quiet. Now Jesus has said, I want him to come. And you know what they say? Hey, buddy, he likes you. You come with us. We want you to come here. Be, it's going to be all right. He's got you. We got you. You come right this way, sir. We've got a seat right up front for you. We want you to be. That's how people do. You, you understand that's how people will do you. But, but I want you to see that it really wasn't about the people, but it's Jesus who, who is calling him. And when Bartimaeus hears that, this is the key. Look at what he does. Verse 50. When he hears that Jesus is calling him now, look what he does. He, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. 
Now, that may not mean a whole lot to you. That's because you ain't a blind beggar by the side of the road. Here's a man that has one thing, probably. If not one, he might have had two. But this is one of a very, very, very short list of things in his life that he can hold on to as valuable. It is this outer cloak that he had, some kind of a outer garment that he had, something that would have kept him warm at night, something that would have given him some level of modesty in a, in a crowd that, that, that looked down on him to begin with. I don't know. It might have been a family heirloom. I'm guessing now to understand. I don't know. But the point is it was probably of some value of him practically, but also just from a financial perspective, it's the one thing he had that had some value to it. Here's a man sitting there putting his, his dignity off to the side saying, please give me money so I can eat today. And the one thing that he has is this coat. If, that, if you're not, not convinced of that, don't, don't you remember when Jesus was on the cross and he's, he's hanging there and he's bleeding and he's dying and there's those soldiers at the foot of the cross practically and they're gambling over his cloak, his garment? Do you remember that? that that's, why is that? Because what they saw, what he had is valuable. And that was the one thing Jesus had. That was like the one thing. He didn't have a place to lay his head, but he had this garment and they were gambling over it. But I'm trying to get you to see that Bartimaeus has this one valuable possession. But when Jesus calls him, the value goes out the window. He doesn't really care about it in the same way that he cared about it before. It's not as important to him. In fact, he is so, in, he is so enamored, he is so focused, so, so honed in on the fact that he needs to be with this one, close to this one, that he's willing to shed, to drop, to lose things that up until that moment were very precious to him. And when he comes to Jesus, look what he says in verse 51. Jesus asks him, he says, what wilt thou that I should do? What do you want me to do, son? What is it you need from me? The blind man says unto him, not that I want my coat back, not even could you give me money, or even a steady stream of income. Look at what he asked for, that I might receive my sight. Jesus offers Bartimaeus the help that he seeks, and he asks for the one thing, the only thing that only Jesus can give. That whole crowd, if they'd had a little sympathy, they might have put a few dollars in his, in his cup. He might have been able to eat good that day, maybe even the next week. There might have been somebody had taken pity on him and given him a job. There might have been somebody had given him a second garment to carry around. But there was nobody that could give him his sight. And he goes to Jesus and he says, I want my sight. I want my sight. But it's also telling, look at, the, look at what the blind man says. He says, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Now, y'all remember what he was calling Jesus up to this point? He was calling him son of David. He was calling him the conquering healer. He's calling him the king of kings, the one who's come to fix all of the wrongs in the world. And that's the right thing. That is who Jesus is. But look what he, he changes his tune, and now he calls him Lord. He's changed from the conquering healer to my master, to the one who I want to obey. Because I know you have the only thing I need. As, as Jesus and Peter had an interaction inter, uh, inter, uh, at one point in the Gospels where there was a lot of people leaving Jesus, and Jesus asked Peter, says, are y'all going to leave too? And Peter says, who are we going to go to? You're the one that we need. 
That's exactly what Bartimaeus is doing. He's saying, you're my Lord. You're the one that I care about. You're the one that I follow. You're the one that's precious to me. You're the only one who can give me the, uh, the sight to see what I need to see. And so what he does, he gives him his sight. Look in verse 52. Jesus says, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Immediately he received his sight. End of story, right? Well, no. If you're following along, you know there's a little bit more about that. Here, Jesus gives him exactly what he asked for. He had every right. In fact, Jesus even told him, you can go your way. You're fine. There was no obligation at all. But what does he do? He followed Jesus in the way. Now, now, it, it, he followed him in the way, and that is that he stayed with the ministry of Jesus. He's following him as a, as a disciple of Christ. There are historians who suggest that this Bartimaeus may well have continued on into the early church, may have been one of the early martyrs of the church. Here's a man who's not just in the, the way as in he's in Jesus' path, he is that, but he is in the way. That, that term, the way, is actually how the early Christians would have talked about following Jesus, how they would have talked about Christianity. Here's a man who didn't just get what he needed physically, he said, I'm going to give my entire life to Jesus now. This, my, my life is no longer of any value. That coat that I left by the wayside, that's the least of my concerns now. I'm going to follow in Jesus' steps no matter what that takes. You see, some of us are in need of help and healing. But we don't want it. We don't want it the way Jesus gives it. We just want what we want. To consume, as James says, on our own lusts. But you see, Jesus gives us something that's better than anybody in this world can give. More than anybody in this world can give. But this blind beggar, he sees something that a lot of people in a lot of churches still haven't grasped. Remember I told you there's a baseline of what we're talking about. If you ain't got that, you ain't got any of it. He understood that Jesus is Lord. He understood that Jesus is the Messiah. He understood that Jesus is the worthy one. He understood that. Here's a man who didn't know anything. As best as I can tell, I, I, I would not imagine. I think it would have been notable if it, if it had been there. I'm, just, I'm, I'm speculating a little bit, but I can't imagine he had even really any religious education to speak of other than just what was common knowledge. Yet he sees who Jesus was. Will you follow his example? I can tell you, y'all have had more religious education than that man has. You've heard preaching from this pulpit, I can guarantee you, you have. That you know that baseline that I was talking about, it is a baseline for you. You know that. You know that. So will you follow the example of Bartimaeus and take what God has revealed to you supernaturally, not because you're so good or so smart, or just happen to be at the right place at the right time. It is God's divine plan for you to know these things. And will you reach out and grab a hold of Jesus? If you're like I am and don't know what in the world to do and how to do it and how to fix what's wrong, will you reach out and hold on to Jesus? Not, not, I didn't say try to figure out how to solve the problem because you can't. By the way, I've tried and I can't. But I did say, and I think that's what Bartimaeus did, he used what he got, what he had, and he cried out, Jesus, will you help me? Will you, like Bartimaeus, boldly declare that Jesus is the only hope that you have?
tell anybody that'll listen. And sometimes you're going to need to tell yourself a few more times. And will you like Bartimaeus? Recklessly, and I mean recklessly, pursue after the Savior. Wherever he leads, just follow him. Go where he tells you to go. Go there. Go there now. And know that it's going to cost you a little something. A lot of something sometimes. But know that what he's giving you is better than anything you had to give up. More than anything you could ever give up. Will you follow in the footsteps of blind Bartimaeus? We're going to follow him as he follows Jesus. Will you follow in his footsteps? Grab a hold of Jesus tonight. Would you do that? Declare the gospel to yourself if nobody else. And would you follow after Jesus regardless of what the costs are? I want to encourage you to do that.